Welcome back to the Wavy Podcast. My name is Gemma Mastriani, and I am your host, as well as the managing editor of the soundtrack. Today, here I have Danny Mags. How are Hello. you? Hey, Gem, I'm doing well. How are you? You know, as good as you can be during these times, I'd say. Bit really? Because I, day, but I'm, I'm loving this. I'm like, I, I'm leaning full into this quarantine, and this is, this is honestly the best thing that's happened to me in a couple of months. That's like the most positive response I've heard about it. That's kind of like good. Okay, so it's two things. Um, one, I wasn't spending enough time at home. So uh, I've actually been able to take care of myself, which has been like sorely needed because um, I've been running around like crazy. So I actually needed to take some me time, which is good. Uh, but the second thing is there's a lot of – I know that a lot of people are – are having a hard time with this and the people that are putting content out there like that would normally never do this. I'm thinking about like the fitness instructors or um, the musicians that are doing sing-alongs and yoga classes and all of that kind of stuff virtually. When this thing all blows over, I feel like that stuff's going to stick around and it's going to be really positive. So I'm trying, trying to, uh, to keep a good head about it. Yeah, that's important. Like it's definitely, I think it's like really easy to think about it in a negative way um and i'm not like shaming anyone for thinking about it in a negative way but like i think it i think there are positives to it and it definitely takes strength to see that so um bravo to you yeah thanks (laughs) definitely not the point but i'll I'll take the compliment anyway thank you (laughs) so do you want to tell our audience a bit about yourself before we dive right into it yeah um so i'm danny mags uh it's not my my real name. Uh, my real name is Daniel Magder. Uh, I was on a show called Life with Derek for a while on the Family Channel when I was a, a kid. I've been an actor, a writer. Um, I currently own and operate Bing Pot Trivia, which is uh, my live trivia show that happens typically in bars around the GTA. Um, with the quarantine, I've taken that online right now. So we're on Twitch at Bingpot TV, and we do live trivia broadcasts for you to play with your friends every Thursday at 7.30. Unreal. Thank you so much for that intro. Um, Yes, so me and Danny met basically when uh, we were both – well, no, I don't even think you were working there at the time. Well, no, you you would have (laughs) seen Bingpot at the very beginning. So it's Bingpot Trivia, and it started at Lynx Lounge at Humber College when I was in radio school – uh, and that's where I met Gemma. That was when people could actually drink there. I know. It's everything that I've heard about it since. It's it's really upsetting that Humber no longer <laughs> has a bar. Um, I, I, uh, it is what it their is. Their choice. Dude, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I was working there. He was working there. That's how we met. Um, that was, like, the best one of the best jobs in my life. Love my job now. Like, no tea, no shade. I <laughs> mean, like. Your boss to listens party. to the podcast, right? So you've got to just <laughs> make mean, sure you're covering your bases. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But no, I, I love my job now in all honesty. But in terms of a part-time job, mm. it was great. Um, Yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, but it was just the chillest and the best. Well, Lynx was the bar that let me get this trivia thing off the ground. I was like 25 years old, just going back to school, feeling really stressed out, wanted to do something, and Lynx gave me a space to do it and now like man it's uh it's been a while we're like four years later and oh 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of my life, so it's it's weird. I didn't even realize that was four years ago. That's so that's bad. the biggest trip, right? What happened and what made you want to go back to school? Yeah, so this um this is a weird story because it's it's kind of it starts I guess when I was at a at a pretty low point, but it, there's really a lot more before that. So the prologue to it all um so if if anybody does know me from from Life with Derek, um, and if you don't know what Life with Derek is, I'm just going to assume you didn't spend a lot of time in Canada or wasted it two in the morning watching the Family Channel, because <laughs> yeah, and you know it's true, and I know it's true. Um, no, I was on a a show called Life with Derek on the Family Channel, which was an unreal show, um, and and kind of turned into this weird Canadian cult classicy thing, and. Uh, the thing is, when I was doing that, I was in high school, and after high school, um, I was really determined to like become my own human. Um, you know, as as we do, I went to university at UBC for a year, then I went to film school in Vancouver to study writing, and then I bounced back and forth between Toronto, uh, LA for a couple years, and Vancouver again, trying to figure out where I was meant to fit in. It wasn't easy, and basically I burned myself out. Um, early 20s, for anybody that, that cares to listen, is probably the worst time in your life to decide you want to be an actor. There's too much competition, and you don't have enough life experience. And you also don't know that you don't have enough life experience or think that it's important. I learned it the hard way. I was in pretty rough shape. Um, and... I came back home because I just had to recharge. When I decided to go to Humber, um, I was actually trying to finish my BA in media, but I decided this in like March, so I couldn't get in anywhere. Um, Humber's radio program was open, and I was thinking, you know, like the one part of media that I'd never really dealt with before was radio, but I loved radio, so I went back to radio school. After radio school, or during radio school, I should say, I started doing the trivia thing, and it was just kind of like this weird passion project where when I lived in Vancouver, I was playing a lot of trivia, and uh, because I was trying to be an actor, I was waiting tables and bartending on the weekends, which means that Wednesday night trivia was like my only piece of a social life. I came back, and I missed it so much, I figured, you know what, rather than go find trivia, I'm going to start trivia did that and um, just kind of took off. One thing led to another. When they closed the bar at Humber, when they closed Lynx, I had to go find a, a real bar outside the school. I did that. I got a radio job in Saskatchewan, took trivia with me. Radio job didn't work out, but I left trivia there with another host and came back to start it and got up to doing like four shows a week. Then it's kind of all snowballed from there. I think that's amazing to see that um not only are you still doing it but like it's kind of thriving right now well not kind of it is i I think it's thriving right now anyway like you had like 800 views on your last one um at once i think it was something like that not quite so we got up to we just did our first two streams and we got about 200 viewers on the first two and a lot of streamers will tell you that's a lot right off the top it is um it, it is but also like it didn't just come from a place of I, they're not randoms. Like I've been cultivating this crowd in Toronto for a couple of years now, and it was really cool to see the number be that high. It just, 
it was rewarding because we've been building it for a long time, but we've been building it in a live space. Weirdest thing about everything I've done with Bingpot is that because it's been like a live show and, and we typically do these things in bars or like private events or whatever, but the nature of the game is I don't want you on your phone. I don't want you Googling answers, which means you're going to have your phone in your pocket, which also means you're not going to be Instagramming, Snapchatting, or sharing. So in a way, there's been a lot of low visibility for Bingpot, but that's kind of been by design. Putting it on stream now is, is my chance to actually bring it and show the world what we've been working on, which is like terrifying. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just think it's really cool because it seems like there was a lot of barriers along that the way that would kind of discourage you and maybe make you stop, whether it be the bar closing and then, uh, you know, you moving and then like losing your job out there. Uh, and, and, you know, you were kind of just always you kind of just got started on it. Like it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and you're all you were also coming from a place where you were feeling discouraged. So to see you push through that and then you know, it's still here and it's just getting bigger and bigger. I just think that's, I just think that's really awesome. Yeah. Thanks. It, it, it really was. Um, I mean, the thought of stopping in the beginning, it, it never crossed my mind. So like when links closed and it was like, man, okay, looks like we're not doing trivia here. It wasn't like, well, now what do I do with trivia? It's now, okay, I have to go find another bar to do this at cause I'm not going to let this thing just die. And it, it's even all the other things it's been, how do I make this work? Even when I got the radio job. So I, I got my job. I graduated. I went to Saskatchewan because that's what you're supposed to do after you graduate radio school. Right. Um, in my back pocket, I always knew that, you know, if it doesn't work out, Bing Pot's your backup plan. Like if I never got the radio job, I would have tried to to push it in Toronto as best I could and turn that into the business. And so when the radio thing didn't work out and I came back, it was it weirdly felt like everything was still going according to plan. I think big picture thinking was was really important, and I kind of tried to keep it every step. Right. Did you like it in Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan is really cool. Um, so it's so different, and it's so hard to explain. Um people that live in other parts of Canada, uh, the more rural parts of Canada, like it's, it's just a totally different experience than living in the city. Um, and I, I don't want to describe it a certain way because I think to really get it, you have to at least live it for a little. I really enjoyed becoming a little bit more in tune with, with how people are in different parts of the country and I'm so happy I did it because I can say I lived in Saskatchewan and saw what a day-to-day -day looks like in Saskatchewan. It is really easy to lose sight of the rest of the country when you live in Toronto because everything is happening at once. It's right here. It's new. It's fresh. Uh, that's, that's Toronto where it doesn't really get a chance to breathe, whatever it is, you know, latest trends, music, whatever. But when you're when you're in a place that moves at a slower pace like Saskatchewan does, you you get a different kind of appreciation for how things go and 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 how thoughtful I think people are out there. It's never just jumping to do something. They're they take their time. Absolutely. Um this past summer I went out to PEI. Yeah. Uh, the the only place I'd ever been like 
like, I don't know, I'm from Niagara. I've been to like Montreal, mm-hmm. Ottawa, but like I've never been anywhere far out in Canada. Um, it's actually crazy how different people are. Um, I'd say it's pretty similar to how you're describing uh, Saskatchewan. Actually, they're just all like so nice. I didn't meet one rude person. They all take their time. It's just chill vibes. It's amazing. There are nice people and jerks everywhere. Right. Um so it took me a really long time to figure this out, but you'd go somewhere and you'd be like, man, why are the people there so much nicer than where I am? And then, uh, so like this happened to me a lot because I moved around a bunch, you know, I, I would be convinced that I needed to be in LA or Vancouver and I'd go. And within a couple months, the experience feels different. The truth of it is that, um, I think when you're visiting somewhere where you know, you're not staying there permanently, your headspace is totally different you're perceiving everything different because you're you're perceiving it as a visitor so even though i was only in Van- or uh even though i was only in regina for uh three four months it, it wasn't really until the end of that that i i knew i wasn't staying so i got to experience it as somewhere that i felt like a like a local for a little bit i tried right. to anyway would you ever go back I mean, I definitely go back to visit. Um, I think there's, I, I don't know that I would live out there again, to be honest. I, part of the other, the other bit of it too, was as I was out there, I kind of realized like, no, I'm a very go, go, go person. I think at this point in my life, I need, I need the pace. Um, I would visit though. I, I think it's, it's just so much simpler out there and, and people might hear that and think that's a slight. It's really not like you've got to be able to appreciate simplicity and just keep everything right in front of you. I definitely, I think as part of that go, go, go mentality, I fall into holes of overthinking things. And that just, it's, it's uh, not, not something that happens so much over there. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, I agree. Toronto is very much go, go, go. Hmm. Uh, That's a big reason why like I don't live downtown. Uh, a lot of people I went to school with moved downtown when yeah. school was done. And I was just like, no, because I just can't handle like, I don't know. I just like being in a suburb. I don't like being around busy, busy, busy. It's just like too much for me. I need to like calm down and unwind. So Yeah, and I uh, I think it actually took me a little bit longer to realize that that part is important, that you actually have to, you know, relax. Yeah, Totally. Where would you say, so, I mean, it seems like you've, uh, you know, you've lived in quite a few places. Mm-hmm. Where would you say is your favorite place that you've lived? Uh, depends on the day. I mean, I think the, my favorite place that I've lived, I think at this point has to be Toronto. Um, I love the city. I, I love being from here and I always wanted to come back here. And um, that being said, I... I feel like I need to move around and I can't stay in one place for, for too long. Um, LA was weird because I lived in LA for two years and I moved down there when I was 20. And um, if, if you remember like a, you know, and I know you're not crazy old, right? But like when you're 20, man, you're just, you're so invincible that it was crazy to think I even put myself in that position down there. How did you get down there? Well, I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen. Um, my mom's from New York, so I had dual citizenship. And because I was an actor as a kid, it was always in my head. I'd go at some point. So I just one day said, there's nothing keeping me in Toronto. Let's go. Um, 
the weird part about LA is that, especially if you're in the arts, like everybody you end up meeting is in the arts and trying to be an actor, a dancer, a writer, a comedian, uh, you name it, they're trying to do it. And so everybody is just talk about the industry nonstop. I don't know that that's what I wanted. I think that part started to tire me out. But man, if you are all about that, if you're very self-motivated, LA is great. If you are... Um, just dying to be immersed in all of that 24 seven for the the glamour and the the not glamour because the starving artist side is a very real part of it as well um la is is phenomenal for that and the weather i miss the weather all the time i'd spend my winters in la if i had the the choice of what i would do i would bounce back and forth absolutely i miss vancouver a lot um because it's a smaller city i used to hate that about it lived there used to just complain that it was too small um, every once in a while though, you, you start to miss something that's a little bit more condensed where it's easy to get around when you get frustrated by the, the hour long commutes on the TTC and you want something shorter. You think about Vancouver, it's, it's pros and cons to everywhere. Vancouver's got weird nightlife. Toronto's got the best nightlife. Like it's pros and cons. Why is it weird? I've never heard that. I've never been though. So I don't know anything about it. <laughs> uh, Vancouver is weirdly antisocial. Um, Nobody in Vancouver wants to like go out and make friends. LA was like that too. LA was everybody wanted to go out and talk business though. So it's like, it was a different reason. Um, I don't think I've ever been in a place where people avoid eye contact like they do in Vancouver. I know it's like, we do it here too. Vancouver's another level. And wow. so going out bars, things, whatever, it just doesn't feel as social unless you're, you're there with people already. Um, that that's the big difference for me. I think Vancouver is very much an outdoors daytime city. Go out, go hiking, go on the water, do whatever. Toronto is a nighttime indoor city. Go bars, clubs, live music, whatever. Wow, that's never that's very interesting. I never knew that about Vancouver. It's definitely good to know. Just trust me, it's it's many years of living it and talking about it with other people that have lived it. Right. So where were you originally from? Where are you I'm originally from? <laughs> I'm from Toronto. I'm from Thornhill, so technically it's the 905, the the just north of the city. Um, went to high school at Thornlee Secondary and uh, spent my my weekends running around the city like a stupid teenager. <laughs> so when did you get into acting? Oh, the acting thing um, started when I was like five years old. My dad knew someone who thought my sister would be good for it. I ended up kind of tagging along and I was just an outgoing kid so like at that point that's kind of what they're looking for most five-year-olds are super shy I was outgoing I got work right away I was I was lucky that way um yeah that's that's kind of where it started it was like pretty nonchalant to be honest so was it with an agency yeah um my dad knew someone who was an agent uh she was moving but she said hey you know you should take your kid to see the guy who's replacing me. And and that's really how it started. Then they send you to get headshots and, and start auditioning. I got some work. Did you find that overwhelming growing up or was it kind of just all no. you ever knew? No, it was all I ever knew. I was a kid. So, you know, like you start when you're five. And for me, that was just like, you know, my first audition, which I booked was, um, for this telecom company and they just needed a kid to go play with a phone for a while and be like entertaining and I guess I was just you know I was such a shithead as a kid that uh it it worked on camera what would you say your favorite role was 
Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, and not one I thought you were going to ask. <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Um, but there there is an answer. I think hands down it has to be the role of Boy on Raft in the first X-Men movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's so neat. so this is this is my favorite tidbit about this weird little career I had, but uh, the first X-Men movie they shot it in Toronto. And um, they shot some of it down by Woodbine Beach, and uh, they put a, a little dinghy out on the water, and I was supposed to lie in the dinghy, and I'm like six years old, um, or eight, whatever, it doesn't matter, I was young, uh, supposed to lie in the dinghy when Senator Kelly gets mutated, he falls into the ocean, and then he washes up on a beach, so he comes out of the water, and I'm just staring at him. And so that whole thing took a day to film. I was supposed to come back the next day, because they wanted me then on the beach to say a line. And the next day it was pissing rain. So I was basically spent eight hours in my trailer while they couldn't film it. And then they said, okay, screw it, go home. We're going to find some kid in LA and just dub the line. Oh. Well, whatever, no big. But because I was supposed to have a line, I'd signed a contract, which is why even though in the actual movie I don't say anything, I'm still in the credits because it was a role. And because it was a proper role, not only am I in the credits, but I still get royalties. So I get like a wow. hundred, I get like a hundred bucks every three months and it'll come through and it'll be like Fox reporting sales of X-Men. And it's every time I get it, every time I'm like, all right, that's a hundred bucks. What the hell did Hugh Jackman just get? And he did seven of them. Wow. You know what? That's a good point. I've never, yeah. I never thought of it that way and I never yeah. realized that's how it worked, but so Hugh wait, Jackman so... could probably retire on X-Men royalties alone. Yeah, that's not nice. Yeah. So then you didn't actually end up being in it then? So I am in it. Um, I am in it. I'm on screen. Like that That bit they shot of me lying in the raft is is in the movie. There's mm-hmm. seven seconds of eight-year-old Danny Max. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty unreal. Yeah. So I'm curious about uh, Life with Derek. I yeah. grew up watching that. Um, it was one of my favorite shows for sure. I think there there was like definitely like a lot of different, you know, Canadian TV shows that had their yeah. time on Family Channel, but I'd say that was definitely like the one I remember. Um, mm-hmm. The other ones don't really pop in my mind. Um, so how how long were you on it, and what was that experience like? Oh man. Um, okay, so four seasons, seventy episodes. We started. I was twelve. We finished. I was fifteen. Uh, but that was in 2007. And then, so you got to figure another year until those episodes actually get on the air. And then, uh, they reran it to death for another, like six years. Um, so a while, I mean, what was the experience like? You're going to have to get a little bit more specific. Um, Okay, so I'm kind of curious. Well, first of all, I didn't. What do you re- want like, to know? So, okay, so first of all, I I didn't realize it was that short, like three, like just thinking about how long I grew up watching that, I didn't realize it was only like three or four years. Yeah. Um, secondly, I don't know, curious um, how you got the role, what it was like to be involved with that, how much of your life did it take up? Um, yeah, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, we'll start. Um, I mean, how I got the role was pretty unremarkable. Like, I just 
I auditioned for it. It's I know that's the not glamorous answer, but that's what it is. When you're a working actor, you get auditions, you go do them. Um, I I'd actually worked with Michael Cedar on a different TV movie when I was like seven years old. So we had kind of this weird pre-existing relationship and some chemistry on camera because we had, uh, you know, we'd worked together before and seen each other in auditions and stuff. And so there was already kind of the sibling thing. In terms of, you know, how much of my life, I, it's weird because, I mean, we shot it while I was in high school. So people my age were the the targeted demographic right and i was i was in a weird spot because i'm decently older i'm a couple years older than jordan who played lizzie and i'm a couple years younger than mike and ashley so i was on this weird island right in the middle and the people that we were aiming at with this show were my age and so i i really got to to grow up around the people that were watching it um it was always really weird for me because I didn't understand people freaking out about me being a celebrity. And uh, I still really don't, not that it happens as frequently, right? But like, you know, we'd be at Wonderland or the movie theater and like, I, I wouldn't be able to go anywhere without getting mobbed. Um, for oh anybody for anybody listening in, in the Thornhill, Richmond Hill area, Silver City, Richmond Hill at Young and Seven, like that's just where you went on weekends growing up where I grew up. And yeah, I mean, people could could pick me out pretty easily, and there would be there'd be a lot of people. So it was weird because I just kind of wanted to be left alone, but at the same time, wasn't really appreciating um, what it might have meant to some people to to be running into me. And that one took me a long time. That would be overwhelming, and like just thinking thinking back to like when I was twelve years old, like yeah. if I was experiencing that, like that's like a lot to mm-hmm. handle. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to make it like a, a little weirder, this was right in the the MySpace early Facebook days. So in the beginning, I had a MySpace. Uh, I had a MySpace and I was just kind of like accepting anybody. And it was um, this channel to to talk to people that were watching the show. But it got really weird really fast. Like, sure. I mean, think about the the people you'd run into on social media that start to get a little stalkery or obsessive and it just like nothing serious i think i had one girl i took a couple days off from checking my myspace and i came back to like 20 messages from this one girl who was sending me messages like oh my god i love you like you mean everything to me here's a music video of iris by the goo goo dolls because this is how i feel about you true story <laughs> um and at that yeah her name was Brittany. And uh, that's all I remember about her. And at that point, I was like, this is way too weird. I don't want to play into this. I don't want to enable this. I'm out. Um, in retrospect, probably not the smartest way to handle that because I think that that made me kind of distant for a while. Um, but that's what it is. 15, 14. I don't know how old I was. 14, I think. You, you don't know. Wait, so you stopped acting because of that is that what no, you're saying no 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 i didn't stop acting i just kind of stopped i stopped basically i stopped getting invested in social media and i know that sounds weird because it was before social media was an established thing but like relatively speaking i was late to the party uh to get on twitter even facebook and instagram and stuff uh, definitely instagram i was late to the party but like it's just at that point, it wasn't anything that I really thought was necessary or um, or positive in any way because my experience with it was just kind of weird and overwhelming. 
Yeah, I could I could definitely understand that. But is someone get... trying to, like, is someone trying to take advantage of your following though, or you know, not that we ever thought in these terms fifteen years ago, but in hindsight, it was probably not handled very well by me. Yeah, but at the same time, like you're so you're so young, right? So like what you don't really know what to do. Yeah. Well, nobody has any idea, right? Especially considering it's all new. Like the whole concept of a social network was was ridiculous. So um or at least it was just it was so much in its infancy. Um yeah, and, and no regrets, right? Like you play the hand you're dealt the only way you know how and you kind of learn from what happened before and you know, make adjustments when you have to. So have you ever read Life with Derek fan fiction? No. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, if you want to go down that hole, do oh, it. Boy. Did you have but... to use that choice of words? I'm just curious. <laughs> like, <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Um, it's, a, it's all good. No, you it's don't definitely, do it. It's, a, it's an interesting place. Um, you want, if you want to dive, dive into that, that's your choice. But um, well, what? So I'm just curious because you sound like a product expert here. <laughs> like, like how much do you know about like with Derek fan fiction? Okay, I don't know that much about it. Like, I, I mean, you know, I. Okay, I've, it sounds like you're backtracking pretty hard right now. <laughs> I spent some time skimming through it. Uh, I can't say that I spent mm-hmm. you know every weeknight reading it. Um, but. Uh, Damn. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's its own thing. Um. A lot of speculation about um, Derek and Casey mostly. It's about them like further <sighs> into their life. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just curious if you ever read that. No, I didn't read it. I didn't. So like, I just think it's the best joke. Like like when people get so uppity about it, and whenever life with Derek is trending, there's always the handful of comments that are like, oh my God, there was so much sexual tension. I'm like, I just, I, I, when this was all going on, because the comments have been the same, right? Since we were filming even. So like when it was going on, there was a whole lot of eye rolling and uh, we would just kind of be like, yeah, people, people are crazy. I like, what do you, it, it is what it is. People are nuts. They're putting this stuff together. I don't know what's wrong with people. Um, I'm going to pick my words carefully. Um, there were certain corners of the internet where uh, it seems that the concept of step-siblings getting together has just kind of taken some crazy hold on everybody. Yeah. And... I don't know that life with Derek can take sole responsibility for this. I think everybody was already thinking about it. I should say everybody else was already thinking about it. Uh, and y'all just crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty messed up. Um, it it probably, it just kind of puts a face to it for them and just, they can play on that, you know, right. I think it's just, we're victims of circumstance and timing. Okay, it just kind of happened, and then everyone's pointing the fingers and saying that it was us. No, and the the show was never meant to have any of that. Like, that's the crazy part is the people that actually think it was intentional or designed. Guys, this was a Disney Channel television show. I believe this is the same network that wouldn't let Troy and Gabriella kiss at the end of High School Musical. 
and you think that they were plotting some weird, crazy step-sibling incest stuff in the storylines for Life with Derek, use your heads, man. That's right. Um, on a lighter note, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did this too much. <laughs> no, wait, like before we, I don't want to put a button on it like that. Can we just okay. remind everybody that if it wasn't good enough for Zach Efron to get some on camera, it was never going to happen to a bunch of Canadian kids. That's a very good point you make. Thank Definitely. you. Thank you. That's how I'd like this to be remembered. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Um, anywho, moving along. Curious about your relationship with music. Yeah. What do you want to know? What, uh, I don't know, how did you how did you get into music and um, what kind of role does it play in your life? Uh, music's the, it, it's honestly, it's probably bigger than, well, it's definitely bigger than, than movies and TV. It's, it's really in my life. It's, um, it's, it's music and gaming. And uh, I grew up with, uh, I mean, my dad was born in the fifties. My dad listened to a lot of oldies stuff, but uh, his siblings were just a little bit younger they were all big on on classic rock and stuff. So like hanging around the pool um, at my uncle's place on Sunday, listening to Q107. And it, it gets, it kind of started there. Um, Q107 and the Tragically Hip were really big. My my older brother got me into the hip when I was really young. And that was kind of my, my gateway into everything. Um, in high school, I started finding my own taste. I really got into... Um, I got into some indie stuff. Like I was really big on the new pornographers in high school and any band that was featured in Guitar Hero or Rock Band, I got really into. Um, it all kind of started from there. And then, yeah, more more kind of power chords and power punk and stuff like that. My later teenage years and moved to California and found ska music. And that's, uh, <laughs> there's there's no it's impossible to make ska seem cool. So I'm not going to try, but I became huge into ska punk when I was in my twenties, uh, early twenties because of, of my time in California. Why, why do people hate on the ska? I don't know. Um, I like it. It, as you should, cause it's fantastic. And it's like the happiest kind of just go nuts kind of music there is. I don't know why it gets so much hate. Uh, people don't like, the mix of punk rock and trumpets, and I couldn't tell you why. Um, I think it's just one of those things where it had its time and kind of disappeared for a bit. But I've been on record for a long time now, reminding everybody that ska's not dead. And honestly, we've we've seen some really cool stuff come out of that movement in the past couple of years. So maybe in like five years, we'll see you with some dreads. No. In a ska band. No, no, no. <laughs> ska band, maybe. Like, look, I can't sing. I can't play any instrument very well. Um, I have a crappy bass guitar behind me, but I don't know how to play it particularly well. Um, I think it is it is my secret dream to be the front man in a ska band. Uh, it may happen one day, but there wouldn't be any dreads. Checkered fedora. Checkered everything. And that's actually going to be the name of the band. Checkered everything. Yeah, checkered like everything. That. Yeah, right? <laughs> you would know immediately that it's a ska band because it would be checkered everything. I think you do need to join a ska band because it seems like you feel pretty passionately about 
people's dislike for ska. So now it, I am making it up to you to push this message and change the world. Um, I I gladly accept. No craziest <laughs> thing. Uh, there is. So there's a there's a Toronto-based ska band out there called the Classy Rex, uh, W R E C K S, the Classy Rex, and they're significant because uh, one day I'm like 20 years old uh, and I'm just flipping through Facebook and I see like a group, a page, I don't know what it was in like 2011, but there's a thing for the Daniel Mager Band, M A G E R, so like oh, my yeah. name. My name without the D. Uh, super weird, right? So I don't know what it is. I click like on Facebook. And seven years later, six years, whatever, a while later, on St. Patrick's Day, when we're working at Lynx at Humber during my first year as, uh, at radio school, I'm in the bar and there's an invoice in the printer addressed to Daniel Megger. And I go to our boss. And I'm like, hey, uh, what are you paying me for? Also, you spelled my name wrong. And she's like, no, no, no. This band I booked for St. Patrick's Day, their lead singer's name is Daniel Mager. <laughs> the Daniel Mager band was maybe his like first thing. And then it, he became the Classy Rex. And you're telling me, hold on, this guy has got my name. It's that guy that I like found on Facebook as a joke six years ago. And you're telling me that Daniel Mager is the front man of a ska band? Yeah. So, that is so weird. in a weird way, and by which I mean in no way at all, I am actually already the front man of a ska band. It all ties together. True. Yeah, I know. It's super <laughs> weird, right? That is definitely the one of the strangest coincidences I've heard in a while. Yeah. The universe works in some weird ways. Hey, man, just uh, ride the wave. Exactly. Have you ever heard of Street Pharmacy? No, but I want to. So, yeah, they're a, they're a ska band from my town, Welland, Ontario. <laughs> Woo, shout out! Yeah, um, and basically, like, they kind of got big on that, oh my god, this, it was a show on Much Music, oh, Disband. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they were on Disband, and then they kind of had, like, their little moment there. Um, but you should check them out, they're, I think you would really like them. They come Street to, Pharmacy? Every now and again. Yep, and I'm you kind of look like the singer. Which is weird, and um, I'm gonna I, look I this up. Yeah, no, look it up. Like you, you definitely have. You could be like his brother or his cousin, and I think that's Ooh. so strange that now there is a ska band with like your name, sort of, and then there is another ska band where you kind of look like the singer. All right, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see it. Yeah. yeah, I totally see it. I like always thought it. And, like, not in a weird way. It's just, like, is what it is, you know? True. Yeah, he's, <laughs> n- he's not a bad-looking dude. I'll take that. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. But uh, what what else are you listening to these days? Well, so uh, I didn't get a chance to actually tell you about my favorite band. Um, oh, yeah, as, please as, do. As, as much as I love ska music, and, and trust me, I do, um, my favorite band is is actually the Bare Naked Ladies, 100%. Like I've been listening to BNL since I was in high school, and like all of it. Um, yeah, kind of kind of geek out hard. If I'm ever having like a rough day and I just need to chill out or like calm myself down and maybe be productive, just throw on my BNL playlist, and uh, yeah, I'm on a cloud. 
I really appreciate that. I think they're a really good band and, um, you know, mostly appropriate for all ages, too. But uh, they're just such a fun show. They were actually the first concert, or one of the first concerts I reviewed. And I went by myself and sat to uh, sat next to an old couple, and we had a great time. Oh, that's amazing. Where do they play? Massey Hall. Oh, man. I So I saw them at Massey Hall when I was, like, I was in grade 12. It was their Christmas show. It was, like, one of their last shows before Stephen Page left the band. And it was, it was my first time seeing them live. It was unreal. My first time crowd surfing was at a Bare Naked Ladies show that they played after my first year at UBC. So, like, it, I don't know how or why they got BNL, but just imagine, like, a group of destroyed college kids rocking out to the Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> in 2010. That's pretty awesome. It was great, but, like, didn't fit for the most part. Um, but the song that I crowd surfed to was this, like, slow piano song uh called another heartbreak and there was just a dude behind me that as they're playing this soft slow piano song this guy's getting really close to me but he's also like twice my size and i'm like dude you gotta step back he's like what you want to go up and and next thing i know dude's just lifting me and throwing me on top of bodies and that was the first time i ever crowd surfed that's awesome yeah. Have you have you crowd? I mean, first of all, yes, that's definitely random, a very random experience. I can't say that I've ever seen someone crowd surf at a bare naked lady show. Yeah. Secondly, um, do you still crowd surf? Um, so yes is the short answer. Um, had a weird moment just before my my 25th birthday where like my quarter life crisis hit me really hard. So it's a couple of years ago. Um. But I got tickets to go see the Bouncing Souls on my birthday, and I love the Bouncing Souls. Uh, I was out with my buddies on my birthday, and so I said, okay, you know, tonight I'm going to break my crowd surfing record. The record was three times in one show at a Dropkick Murphys concert, and uh, I went up four times during the the Bouncing Souls show. And the last time, this was at uh, Lee's Palace, so like there's no barrier or anything in front of the stage. The last time I actually got pushed onto the stage And the lead singer looks at me as in like, what the hell are you doing up here? And I look at him as in, what the hell am I doing up here? Uh, Called him for a high five. He high fives me. I turn around and just jump backwards onto the crowd. That is so fun. And like, yeah, I just love that. I'm so happy that happened to you. (laughs) Thanks, It's an exhilarating feeling. I I get it. You know, I, I wasn't supposed to be on stage. I don't know who pushed me upstage or why, but like, I just remember looking at the dude and we're both like, you know, and he's kind of scared for a second. Cause when you see a crazy fan get on stage that you weren't supposed to have there, you're like, uh Oh, but like without breaking a stride, mid song, high five crowd surf off dive stage dive off. That's the word. Yeah. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So I've been a rock star before. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so just just kind of wrapping it up, I want to go back to Bingpot here. Yeah. Uh, so how okay? So how are you like monitoring this, like in terms of making sure people aren't like googling answers? Like just how does the setup work? Okay. So first of all, um, if you ever play bar trivia, so that's that's what this is essentially, and that's what Bingpot always was. It was bar trivia. You sit down, you get a booklet, you write pen and paper, and you don't look at your phone. Um, taking it online. Well. Yeah, we, we know that we can't stop you from cheating, but actually, who cares? 
it's not like we're in a bar where you're playing for a $50 tab at the end of the night. Um, the whole point of this, and it's actually what the whole point of Bing Pot is what you're doing with your friends. So during the bar shows, all I really care about is you having fun with your friends at your table. And so I tell people that you can follow along in our, our virtual show by you can print off our game sheet and play against your roommate. You can get your group of friends together on Skype or Zoom or Messenger or whatever you're using and just play as one big team and just be together and see what kind of high score you can get. You can split that big group of eight into two teams of four. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll go through the show. I'll tell people not to write out answers in the chat, but if you cheat, what's in it for you? There's there's no prize. It's just you're there to have fun. It's like Jeopardy. If you're watching a show, if you're watching Jeopardy, you can Google answers if you want. You can cheat or do whatever, but it's all about just watching the show, isn't it? Right. So it's not like um, the type of thing where it's a bunch of people in a chat room playing. It's more so like you're streaming and then people can kind of do it independently. Yeah, exactly. So I'll put all my questions and everything on the screen. Um, I'll walk you through the show and basically just sitting down at my desk, uh, throwing a suit on and uh, and guiding everybody through it. And I'm kind of like DJing as we're going to, you know, spinning my playlists and it's it's a really fun time for especially if you're you're looking for a reason to get together with your friends. It gives you the chance to be cooperative or competitive or both uh, and, and really build your dynamic as a group. So at the end, I do say that teams can report their scores if they want. You can uh, upload it to some form. There's no winner, but we go through it and just kind of see who scored the highest. And, you know, there are some bragging rights on the line. Whatever works. That's excellent. Yeah, I think right now is like just a great time to be doing that. Um, I think people are looking for different ways to communicate with people like yes Mm. you should be social distancing but it doesn't mean that you should stop being in touch with people um i know myself i've been playing like jackbox tv with some friends but this is uh definitely something that's like i don't know just different and cool so where where and when is this happening okay so we stream on twitch every thursday night at 7 30 eastern twitch.tv slash bingpot tv stream goes live at 7 30 we go for about two hours Get your friends together, hop on a Zoom room, hop in whatever chat room makes you guys happy, connect, audio, video, just chatting, whatever works for you. Watch the stream. Just have a good time with your friends. You want to put stakes on it? Awesome. But you totally don't have to. Whatever's going to make you happy playing along with our game, we're just happy to have you. Great. I'll definitely be doing that. There are uh, highlights on my Instagram story where uh, you can see where to get the game sheet and how to play. Links in my Instagram bio at Bingpot Trivia, and it's twitch.tv slash Bingpot TV, Thursdays at 7.30. Awesome. Well, I really look forward to joining sometime soon. Um, So where can people find you on social media? So for me personally, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Insta at TheDannyMags. Uh, always happy to connect and you know what? I don't mind hopping in and doing these interviews here and there. And I don't know, just, I'm usually around. Cool. And then as for Bing pot, it's just Bing pot trivia at Bing pot trivia on Twitter and Insta. Uh, you find us on Facebook as well. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Hey, social distancing or not, we still got to make sure that the kids get their content. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Any final words for the listeners? 
No, Jam, just honestly, thanks for, for having the time to, to bring me on and chat. It was was a lot of fun. For sure. We'll do it again sometime soon. Sounds okay. good. Well, thank you right. so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Thank you.